Okay, good morning. So you'll send it to... So last week I, uh, in the Seder Shtausla series that we can call this, I covered the fourth part on Malchus, which essentially, among many things that Malchus serves its role, is also a mamutza, an interface, a bridge between Asilus and Biyah, and Biyah But in truth, as we discussed, Malchus is really in every, in every level, all the way from Malchus of Ein Sof, which is Lefneat Simpson, so-called the lowest level, Kavyach, lowest. And from Malchus of Ein Sof will become essentially Keser, Kloli, after the Simpson, and the same thing, uh, Malchus of Ak, becomes the Keser of the next level. And it goes to the extent that even in Sviris, there's a Malchus in every Sviris. Malchus of Chochmah leads into Keser of, Bria, of Bina. A Malchus of Bina to Keser of Das and so on. So after covering that, and uh, I mean, there's many, many angles, obviously, let's go to the next stage. And that is the world of Bria. But before I go dig deeper into the world of Bria, um, I'd like to do is an overview in general of the four elements. We know there's Dalit elements, Atzilas, Bri, And this is something so common, everybody learns it, everybody repeats it. But like, why is there four, not five? Why not six? Why not 10? You know, the spheres break into 10, and the elements into four. Sometimes the elements are broken into three and one. Biyah is one category. Atzilus is another category. So I want to discuss that, um, these four stages. And even the fact that we call them elements can also be misleading. You know, in yeshiva, when we were first being exposed to concepts of chsidis, I don't know about by you, but by us, when we were like being uh, indoctrinated so the joke that Abiel would always ask us, not everyone knew it was a joke, but uh, it ended up being so. Like, he asked them, what century, what century did the Tzimtzumarishan happen? And between which planets is the world of Atsilis and Bria and Yitzira? You know, there, we know there are planets, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Earth, uh, goes on from there. Earth, Mars, Jupiter, I do know them if you want to know. Saturn, and so on. So where exactly is situated the world's, call them the elements, you know? And there were guys that actually tried to answer the question. Someone said, I think that Simpson happened in the second century, right after the Churim Beis Amigdash, you know. Or uh, the world's if you look in the Rambam, the Rambam talks about Elam HaGalgalim and Elam HaMalachim, and everything has its place. So obviously, when you say worlds, it doesn't mean planets, and it doesn't mean worlds in the physical sense of it, that it occupies a certain place. So then where are they? They're right here. Just like we as the Ebishter. I mean, when you understand the Ruchnius, and it's not Tefes Malkim and Gashmius, 
So just like, uh, just to use a scientific example, you can take an object here, you can take a piece of a table. The table is made up today, we know of elements. Let's say this table is made out of plastic or whatever, but let's say a table is made out of wood, wood that came from a tree. Now that wood in turn is made up of what they call today uh, elements. Like for example, water is H2O, it's hydrogen and oxygen mixed together. The elements are made up of molecules and molecules are made up of atoms and atoms of subatomic particles. Same thing in the human body. You have your organs, but the organs consist of all kinds of details. There's the muscles, there's the skin, there's the blood vessels. If you go deeper, there's the cells, the DNA, the genes, and it's all in the same place. It's not like the veins are here and the arteries are here. And that's even in a physical reality. In other words, if someone wants to say, what is the body made up of? You have to say there are a lot of layers. Depends how far you go. Now there's the outer layer and there's the inner layers. Or to use another example, makes it a little easier even. If you see somebody, uh, you see somebody cry. So you see tears come out of their eyes. Everybody understands that you don't first have tears and then you start crying. You don't first have tears and then you feel sad. First you feel sad, and the sadness, for whatever reason, the way the Abishta made it, will manifest in tears. Just like you see a smile on someone's face, it didn't begin with a smile. There's an feel, inner feeling of satisfaction or happiness. And Bamela, it expresses itself. So in other words, Gashmias is an expression of Ruchni, it's not the other way around. But we are so accustomed to the physical that it's hard for us to see it that way. We see everything we look at, you know, we use our five senses, which is sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell, that controls our lives. That's why initially you say, if I didn't see it, I didn't hear it, I didn't taste it, I didn't touch it, I didn't smell it, it doesn't exist, but that's not true. Because someone says, for example, love. Love, you can't taste, touch, smell, or see, or, or hear. You can express it, but, but it's some feeling. Or an idea, for that matter, a concept. Let's use another example just to make it a little more palatable. Is, um, I remember uh, a number of years ago, so it was a mashpia in Holotera. He had heard me speak about this idea of how to learn chassidus and how you explain these inyanim that are somewhat abstract because, you know, as I said, gash means you can touch, you can measure. So he asked if I would give a, like a primer, a class, an introductory class to his, to his shir in Holotera. So, so they came to my house. And I, they sat at my table, you know, 30 guys. I took out an apple from the refrigerator, and I put it on the table, not to serve them, to do a demonstration. And I said to them, how many apples do you, would you estimate can fit on this, can fit on this table? So, you know, they were, they were smart enough to understand. They, measured, they looked at the apple, let's say an apple's two inches wide. Or, and they looked at the table, how big is the table? That many feet, length, width, you calculate it quickly, around 500 apples, let's say. Certain size table. Okay, perfect. Now, how many ideas, I said to them, how many ideas can fit into the brain? The brain is a lot smaller than the table. A brain is around the size of the palm of my hand, like something like this, a little larger. That's how big a brain is. How many ideas can fit in the brain? And I saw right away their brains were beginning to roll because they never thought of it. And I said, so calculate, tell me. So that someone says, well, it depends how big an idea is. You know, the apple is two inches, how big is an idea? A millimeter, a micromillimeter. 
You start thinking one second, ideas, maybe ideas don't take up space. But on the other hand, one idea is not like the next idea. So you can't say that they don't occupy anything. So my point was I wanted to show them that there's another way of looking at space. So ultimately the point was, and they came to understand, I said, so, so how big is an idea? Okay, idea has to be measured differently. The brain is a small space, but it could have a million ideas, a billion ideas, and at some point it became clear, it could be billions. We don't even know how many ideas a brain can have. I'm not talking about consciously. Obviously right now you can't think 20 ideas at once. You can only have one thought at a time, but, but the brain stores right now you can retrieve ideas that go back your whole lifetime. Everything in your memory, everything that happened yesterday, not as and good things, and a deep thing, I mean, whatever it may be. So the point was, so in the same space, much more is happening than we meets the naked eye. And that, in a way, is critical. As a matter of fact, when we started learning this, no one ever told us this. So the first attitude was, okay, Dalit Elimus. Okay, the Elimus are out there somewhere. We understood it's not planets. So maybe it's beyond the planets. And Hashem, after May of Esrim Shana, where does it go? It goes up there. Where's up there? Somewhere in the sky, in heaven. And ultimately it reaches Gan Eden. And where's Gehenna? Not far from Gan Eden, probably. You know, it's like, uh, but what do we do is we're imposing our own physical way of looking at space and time on Ruchnius, when it's really not the case. And then you start asking questions, like one second. What's going on exactly? Like one guy told me cynically, I said, so you look to this when you were in yeshiva? Yeah. I know there's Lamites, Malachis, and Esses, Firis. All in one breath. 39 Malachis, 10 Sfiris. Dalit, you say this, you know. We could always memorize numbers. So the thing to remember is actually is to understand that the Elimis are dimensions within each other. So right here, right here in this room, right here inside of you, there's the level of Asiya, there's a level of Bria, of Yitzira, of Bria, of Atsilis, and frankly, all the way up to even Lifnat Simpson. It's all within us. So it's not outside of us, because it doesn't take space like that. So you say, Tarkin Neshama, when it, where does it go after it leaves the body? After Meveh Simshana. So the answer is, and I use this all, all the time to explain to people, I say the same question, imagine... Electri- uh, the refrigerator asks electricity, where do you go after they pull the plug? So what do you think the answer is? The electricity will respond. What do you mean where I go? I go back to where I always was, not confined in your little box. You in your box think you're the center of the universe, so you ask me where I go. The refrigerator was just invented 100, 200 years ago. A box that is able to, the, now humans can generate electricity, so the box now can refrigerate food. Electricity is not limited to time and space. There's electricity everywhere. Everywhere is electricity. In the beginning of Bria Salem, there was electricity. Humans had not discovered it yet. They weren't aware of it. It took time, just like there is today. We have, we know there's mobile technology and there's uh, subatomic particles, and you use your mobile phone. Explain to me, without wires, how is it communicating with other phones? And instantaneously, you can see images for thousands of miles away, millions of miles away. Because there are other forces at work that today everybody understands. You don't need a moon to, to know that there are forces that are invisible, but they're even more powerful than the visible. So today it's not so difficult to explain this idea that there is Ruchnius behind the Gashmias. Because we see it everywhere. We see it. The whole, whole technology is based on that, actually. 
So I think it's, that's why I wanted to just spell out it's critical to understand this because if you don't understand it, you can talk about the worlds from today to tomorrow, and you don't and you don't get the basics that it's really dimensions of existence. Why it's called elamis is a good question, but I don't think it means elamis as in uh, worlds or planets. It means elamis as in domains, like you say elamat semeach, elamat demim, elamachai, elamamadaber. So you don't mean actually a world, you mean a kingdom, a domain, an area, a category, if you wish. So it's four, da- four dargas. Now, how do we understand these four levels in a way that's also practical, at the same time explains why the Abishta made it that way? So, just so you know the language, Atsilus is often called Elam Ardus. Sometimes Atsilus, why is it called Atsilus? So the word itself comes from Posikin Baaleischa. But Yetzal min haruach, when Moshe said, Ma'ain li bosar, where will I have meat? So the Ebushta said, Ve Yetzal min haruach, shal Moshe, that the Ebushta imparted. Ve Yetzal comes from the word like Hatzala, he imparted or he emanated from the spirit of Moshe onto the Zkenim. So now the Zkenim had, they were essentially in Atsilis of Ruach shal Moshe. That's the first place Atsilis is mentioned in Teda which essentially is, comes to understand, Beruchni is uh, the Zehar, and Kabbalah explains that it's the same idea that the Ebrishta created something that emanated from him. It's not the Ebrishta himself, we know, because he's higher than Atsilis and higher than Svidus, but the Svidus are, are so-called an extension. Like, just like we have Kechus HaNefesh, so the Ebrishta has Kavyochel Kechus Midas Elikis, which is Choch Mabin Nadas, and so on. So on one hand, they're not outside of Elikus because they're essentially God's instruments, if you wish, God's tools, his, his limbs and organs, kavyoch. On the other hand, they don't define the Ebishter, just like our faculties don't define who you are. They're our tools. They're expressions of, our, of us. So that's one thing about it. Another word, Atzilus, sometimes, Paradis Chassidus brings, comes from the word Etzlev Esomuch, from the word Etzel, close. You know, something is Etzel. Ze Etzel Ze. So Atsilis means it's close to what? To godliness. Whereas the other worlds are not as close. I just want to first define the words, what Atsilis means. Bria, we all know the word Bria means creation. First time Bria is used is in the first Pasuk in Chumash. Bereish is Bara Elakim. Ramban Taich is right there, Bara. He says the only place where you use the word Bara is by Yesh Ma'ayin, something that's new. Yesh miyesh, il of all, like you take, a, let's say, water from a pitcher, it's not bria, or, uh, or a spark from a fire. That's like an extension. Bria yesh means that one entity has transformed into an entity that's completely different. Yesh and ayin don't have anything in common. So Bresh is Baralakim, the Abishta created something that doesn't have anything in common with him, so to speak, except that he created it. So that's the word bria in Hebrew. Yitzida, in the word Yitzir, like we say, Yitzir is like shape, tzura. So Bri is like Chaymer, we have the raw material, so Yitzida adds the tzura to it, the shape and form. And Asiya literally means action, Maisa. So we still need to understand, so then what's the difference between Bri, Yitzir, and Asiya? Atsilis, okay, Atsilis was reserved as more, like I said, Elam Ardus. I'll talk about it more, but, um, but Bri, Atsilis, Asiyah seem to be three stages in 
the creation itself. Bria being like the raw chaymet, like you take a raw piece of clay. You see it as you shape it into form. And asiyah would be the final step when it's finished product. That's the basic, uh, you know, anyone, almost anyone that knows this, talks about this, that's how they'll explain it. And it's correct. These, this is correct. But what does it really mean on a deeper level? And, and why Dafka for me, the Ebishter could have created another five steps. I mean, you all know when you build something, there's many steps. So let's start Pashat Begashmiz, and then I'll go more into the Ruchnius of it. Um, because the Ebishter wanted us to have make sense. Remember that the Ebishter did not need a Seydish Tafslus, and he didn't need Elamis or Sviris or all these Dargis to create. Kol Yochel, uh, the Ebishter wants something. He says, I want it, Siva Venivra, and thus it is. Doesn't need any steps. We need steps because we're human beings. So then why do you make all this Shadish Tashas? So the answer is given, Al Tarebbe says it Befeirish, because Abishta wanted it to be a Pisechel, the way the Seichel that Abishta created, that we should understand it. Because he wants a relationship with us. So yes, of course, we could have had a world and there's no Dargis altogether. And we just know there's a Beira and he created poof. Yeshma'in, and that's it. But he wanted us to understand that it's a process. That's number one. So therefore, he put it into ways that there's malubish in a seichel dika structure, an organized system. Now, we could also have been born, like Adam and Chava, at 20 years old. But he didn't make it that way. For this conception, it takes nine months for a child to develop, a fetus to develop. And ultimately, the boy, a child is born, healthy child, and then the child grows step by step, and it makes sense to us. Obviously, you could say the Ebrister could have made Seichel differently, that it would make sense that we we're all born at 20 years old, we're already mature adults. But the way that, this is the Lushan from the Alter Rebbe, the way the Ebrister made the Seichel, that's the way Seichel dictates. We'll never know why he made the Seichel this way, because that could have been different ways. He could have also made a Seichel that 2 plus 2 equals 5. But that's not how he made it. So once he made it this way, he wants us to understand it. That's the first reason. And, the more, and second, maybe even important, most important reason is because the Ebrister wants a relationship with us. It's not just the Abedin and Nivra. He wants V'yadaita Yeim V'shaveso Levavecho K'avayu Lekim Ta'asa L'keavicho I mean, it's full of mitzvahs that the Ebrister wants a relationship. A relationship both in Seichel and a relationship in Midas V'haftas Hashem Lekecho And Yedias Hashem and the only way for us to have a relationship is to, is to be able to connect through understanding it and to be able to retrace the steps. And now we have stepping stones. How can you create an achdus between you, a bnivra, and a beira, when there's shalei berach? That's what the Ebrish is bleakvul and workvul. The Ebrish is beyond bleakvul, beyond ein sof. And we're mortal creatures. So, to, 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 so how, how does it make sense that you, from here, can jump to there so he created a whole Seydish Tashlus. That you don't begin from the, from the, you don't jump right away. You start from Asiyah, and you move from Asiyah to Yitzira, and to Ibriyah, to Atzilus, and, and you climb. That's called Avedis Hashem, Yelcha Machayel Ochoyel, step by step process. Avedis, Tamidin Kesidran is essentially a structured Avedis step by step. Yes, there are times we can jump, Kamatishrei, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, but the general Seydish, Midin Kassidran is an organized step-by-step process, just like it is in Chinuch. You start first in kindergarten, then you go to whatever the order, I don't even remember anymore. Free one comes first, which one is? Then first grade, second grade, third grade, 
and you're on mechamish le mikra, ben eser le mishnah, ben chamesh eser le gemara. And that's how a person grows, and as we grow, just like a Talmud in a Rav, which is the classic example given for this, we grow to be able to absorb and expand our kalim, to receive more air, as we climb and become more nesachid or more connected to the Ebishter. This journey that I just described is actually a journey we take every day officially. We're supposed to be taking it every day. It's called davening. There's four sections in tefillah. Generally speaking, it's Pesukah de Zimra, sometimes Birchus Ashachah, Pesukah de Zimra, Krishma and Shema Nesra, sometimes Birchus Krishma and Krishma, depending. But generally, four Dargis and Tfila, which is, corresponds to Asiya, Yitzira, Briya, and Atsilas. Every morning we say, Neshomesh and Nesatabi, Lekai, Neshomesh and Nesatabi, Teherei, Atsilas, Atabarosa. At Briya, at Yitzarta, Yitzira, at Mefachta, at B, is Asiya, at Meshamir, Bikirbi, it's an Asiya. And it's also, and so you see here how the Elamis all become part of our very Aveda. They're actually stages of growth. And when you think of it that way, the whole thing broadens into really, it's really a blueprint, like a formula. Everybody talks about four-step formula, so to speak, of how to connect to Yenushama, how to connect to the Ebishter, how to be an Evid Hashem. And this is the, like the essence of the whole picture with the Elams. Each Elam has ten spheres within it, which because every Elam, every Darge, has to have details. So there's a Chochman Atzilis. I'll talk about that afterwards. I want to go back first to the Dal Elams. Now there's also Psukim. So this idea of Atzilus B'ri Yitzirisi is not just something taken purely from Kabbalah. It's all based on, besides what I just mentioned, we all know the Pasuk. It's brought right at the end of Pirkei Ovis, where it says, So it says what? So it says what? So it's a Pasuk in, in Tanakh that refers to these four levels. We call Anikra Bishmi is considered Atsilis, Lukhvedi, Borosov, Isatav, Afasisov, Bri Yitzir And there are more references to it. I'm not going to go through every reference. So these are essentially fundamental levels that are in Tayra Mamish and Tayra Shabiksav. But what are, what are the, what, how do we explain it in, let's say, in very practical terms? So one way to explain it, it's very easy really to understand, and then we can go back to how it is Lamaila, is that every creation, every creative process, even humans, need four steps to be able to go from conception to the actual final product. Whether you're building a house, whether you're writing a book, whether you're composing music, everywhere you need the four steps. And how will you go to any school or any class where they teach you organized structures you see, they always talk about these four steps. They don't refer to Ratzilis through Asiya, but they always talk about four steps. For example, in writing, if to write a business plan or proposal, the first thing you need is a uh, concept, a vision, you, wish, you can call it a vision. What is the purpose of what you want to accomplish? And without that, you can't continue writing because you have to know what that is. Where does it all begin? A vision statement, a mission statement, then the next step is you need to create an outline. An outline is a general 
structure of whatever is going to be right. You might say chapter headings. And each chapter has a breakdown of subcategories. Then you need to flesh it out in details. And then you need to finalize it. If you ever go to any construction site and just look at it, you'll see exactly that. If you know how the process works, it all began with an architect who was working with a builder or with the owner, and they come up, what kind of, what do you want to have? What kind of home do you want to have? What kind of office building? What kind of organizational building? Whatever it is, you have to have a vision for it. Then the architect will draw up a blueprint. A blueprint is an outline, it's on paper, just tells you the schematics of, what, of that whole structure. Then when you look at actually how it's constructed, the first thing you see, you don't see a final building. You see a foundation, which also looks always weird. If you ever see a foundation, it just looks like this concrete under the ground with wires coming out of it and pipes. Upon the foundation, they'll build an, an outline, a structure, a skeleton. That's when you see they start putting up the beams and so on. So you may not yet know what it's going to look like, but you start seeing the outline of it. Then, obviously, they start filling it in. And then finally, you have a final picture, the final building. So there you have Atsilus Bri just in a building. Atsilus is the vision. That's why it's called Elam Ardus, because the vision, everything has to be one cohesive picture. It's not made up of a living room and a dining room. It's not pieces. It's one entity. And Atsilus sees the whole picture in one snapshot, like so to speak. Bria is like the outline. It's a chayma belitsuda. So you have the basic elements are there, but it's not yet fleshed out. Yitsuda is suda. It adds the shape and form of all the details that you need to do that. And asiya is the final, what they call full dimensional picture, the end. You say, okay, ready, it's finished, you can move in. So when you think of it that way, the way we, the way we build anything, you want to write a book. So the first step is, you know, I do, I do uh, advise people, people ask, how do you write a book? How do you even begin? The first thing is you have to write down on one short page, what do you want to say? And what's the need for it? And who's your target audience? Before you even begin to write, what do you want to accomplish with this book? And why should anyone want to read it? And what's, what, what, what need are you serving? You know, the classic example is you want to write a book on, let's say, uh, discount airline fares. So the answer to the need is very clear. What do you want to have? You want to give people an alternative. Since airline tickets can cost more, you're going to write a book of how you can get cheaper tickets. So it's very clear what your one objective is. You also know who your target is. It's not three-year-old children. It's people who fly. So you have a vision of what, I'm just giving a very Gashmizdik, Balbatish example. It could be something much more loftier, much more Ruchnizdik. But the idea is you have to have a concept that's short and sweet what do you want to accomplish with this book? Someone finishes reading it, what do they get from it? I know it sounds so obvious, but I can tell you thousands and thousands of people get stuck right there because they can't even answer that question. You know, I've, many people have told me, what do you mean, the book is for everybody? So I said, what do you mean, there's eight billion people on this planet? For every person? Is there any book that's for everybody? What about for newborns? Okay, not for newborns. I said, well, there's a few uh, million newborns in the world. You know, what about 95-year-old people? No, not for them either. You know, is it for young men, for women? My point is, to get that, that clear vision also takes work. It's not so simple. You can't just say the book is for everybody. There's no such thing as that. For everybody means for nobody, actually. It has to be focused. 
vision. Then you need an outline. Once you have the vision, you need an outline. The outline doesn't have to be long. It just has to be structure. Like, you know, how uh, you look at the Rambam, one of the first people who codified, it took him a long time. How did he figure out Yudalad Yadah Chazaki, Yudalad Sfarim? How to take all the Tera and put it into Yudalad categories. And in each one of the Yudalad is subcategories. The truth is, Shas is already like that. Shisha Sidra Mishnah. And then each one is Moyed, Zmanim, or Moyed, or Nizikin, and so on, all the different Sdorim. And each one has its Mesechta. This is called a structure. Before you start filling in, What's, what, what, how many Mishnayas and how many Prokim are there in Mesechta Shabbos? First enough to know it's Mesechta Shabbos. It's not Mesechta Yuma, etc. So the structure is essentially the Bria part, the outline. Then you have to fill in the details. Okay, what goes into each of these categories? But you now have a very organized structure. Imagine trying to do Yitzhida before Bria. You can start writing the details before you have an organized structure. Now, it doesn't mean it's not a work in progress. You could develop it as you go, but the systematic way to go is my lamata from the concept, from a, a, a united vision, into a structure, into details, and then comes the final product, which is not just a final product. It's, it's also polishing it, you know, concluding it. You could finish a building and still not, still need to. Now, obviously, the goal here is that Asiya should be aligned with Yitzira, and Yitzira with Bria, and Bria with Atzilus. That's where most mistakes are made. You'll see many projects. I just gave an example from a building. I gave an example from a book. But the same is true with music. The same is true with anything that you build. Whether it's a physical thing, whether it's a spiritual thing, even building a home, even a binyana deyad, even a house, also has these four stages. I'll explain that in a minute. But here's where the big problem is, and this is where, why it's critical to understand why it's in this order. Imagine you start off with Asiya. Most people, they start with Asiya and they don't even know what the Atsilis or the vision of it is. So you can't work that way. If you want something to be really solid, it has to be go in this order. You know, many times someone is doing something and you say, why do you do this? I don't know, I just began doing it. I'm not sure myself why I'm doing it. That's why you'll see anyone who, let's say, goes and audits a, a business. They want to see if it's efficient, why it's losing money, why everybody's doing their job. What do you think they do? They go through all these four steps. Again, they may not use these words, but that's what they do. They first say, so what's the objective of your organization? Does everyone know what that objective is? And you suddenly discover there's some people who work in the company, they don't even know what the company's purpose is. They just know their job. So it's true, the plumbers or the electricians or the bricklayers in the house don't have to necessarily know that Silla's vision, that's the architect's job. But they have to be aligned with that vision. Imagine one day the electricians and the plumbers get together and they say, you know what? We don't like the plan that he gave us. We're gonna make the pipes here. I mean, that means that you're like taking a building and instead of following the blueprint, so to speak, the vision of the creator of this, uh, of this idea, you went off track. Now, if you think it's, it sounds funny, but it happens every day. We're all doing this. If you want to really think about it in a Ruchlinsdika way, what do you think a chet is? When Adam and Chava ate from Chet Ephemet Sadas, what do you think they did? They went off and did something not the way the architect wanted it to be. So essentially when we say that a mitzvah, what's a mitzvah comes from the word Tzavzah And an Aveda comes from the word Havara In simple English, a mitzvah aligns us 
Arasiya and Ayitzira and Abriya with Atsilas, what the Abishta wants of us. And an Aveda is called a misalignment. So this is common. People are doing it all the time. Are we aligned exactly the way the Abishta wants us to be? Adam Yashar Heilach? No. Not, it's not a, a, a critique. The Abishta created a Nefeshabamis and a Yetzirah, so we understand there, there's a reason that we have Nisianis and we have challenges. But the fact of the matter is, this world of Asiyah, when the Abishta created the world, Elam al Nivra, everything was aligned. It was perfect. When Adam and Chava came into Gan Eden, it was a perfect world. What do I mean by perfect? It was exactly the way the Abishta wanted. That's why it says, Kitev, Yaralikim. And he saw that it was good. It was good. It was aligned with how the Abishta wanted it to be. But he put the human being on earth with free, free will, Pchira. And Pchira means you can choose. Someone wants to go and wander off the reservation, meaning to not align themselves. That's essentially, in different words, Asiya becoming disconnected or somewhat um, inconsistent with Yitzira or with Bria or with Atsilus. Now, each is different, all the four, and I'll go into that as well, but I just wanted to lay it out in this context. When you think of it that way, so essentially, then comes alive the whole concept when you say, for example, the Ovis Hein Hein Amarkov. Now, the Rebbe says in Tanya, Perichov Gimel, many places, that the Ovis were 24-7 aligned exactly with what the Ebershter wanted. Like a Markov, what's a Markov? A Markov doesn't have a Rotson of its own. It's a chariot that is just aligned to where the person riding on the chariot wants it to go. It's a vehicle. In this context, that the Ovis became vehicles for Elokus in this world. Avram was embodiment of Chesed. Like the Sefer Aboya says, that when Avram was born, or Avram was walking on this earth, Chesed of Atzillus said to the Abishta, what do you need me for? You have Avram walking on this earth. So Avram embodied Chesed perfectly. Basically, Avram was a chesed of Atzilus in Asiya. Perfectly aligned. Uh, Yitzchak, Gvura, Pachad Yitzchak. Yaakov, Teferes, Rachamim. And everyone, every character and personality in the Teda is aligned. Moshe Rabbeinu, Chochmah Vatzilis, or however it's explained. Aaron. So everyone reflects that. When we say, for example, the story with Al-Tarebbe and Abhilal, that Al-Tarebbe would, um, before Shabbos, Shabbos after, Friday afternoon would sometimes go and, take, and, and, and uh, I don't know, call it a nap. He would uh, go to, to, to rest. So, and it was automatic. Why? Because the was on Shama Vatsilis. And that time, Lamaila, this is what's called Durmita de Zah. It's a form of like Shina, where Zah Datsilis is like nostalgic before it starts from Malchus, before it comes back renewed for Shabbos. So Al Tarebbe was aligned with that, so he automatically fell asleep. The Rab Hillel, they say, was more connected to the world of Bria or Yitzira. So Rab Hillel didn't fall asleep automatically. He knew it says in Svarim in Kabbalah, that's the time of the Mitha Dezah. So he went and took a nap. My point being is that, that uh, the neshamas that we learn about, we say neshamas that silas, why do we learn about them? Even though we may never be on that madrega, because you want to know an example in this world of something that's completely aligned, exactly the way it is Lamaila. For the rest of us, that's not what's expected. We 
are asked to follow Shulchan Aruch and follow what it says in Teda to try to align ourselves as much as possible. So, for example, a person is learning Teda, you're aligning your mind with the Abish's mind. When a person does Chesed, it's Mahu Chanun Afata Chanun. We're aligning ourselves with the Chesed of the Abish. And the same thing with other Keiches Hanefesh. Sefer Chredim. And others for him speak about every aver, every body part, every organ, every limb, corresponds to another one of the Ramach Mitzvahs is connected Ramach Evodim, and Shasa Mitzvahs is connected to Shasa Gidim. So every part of us, when we do a mitzvah, we're not just doing the Abish to once, you're actually aligning that part. Your brain was created to be able to understand godliness. When you do something with your mind, that's not involved in that. So as the Altarev explains in, in Periches and Tanya, it's a certain form of Tumah. We're not talking about something Osir. You're using your mind for even mathematics, even, philo- even things that are not, that are not Dvarim Asurim to learn or to read. Because your mind is not aligned to what God created you for. So I know I'm speaking about it in a very balbatish, a practical way, but you know, what's wrong with that? Maybe that's good. That's how you're supposed to understand these things. So really, when you think about Atzilus Bri Yitzirasiyah like that, it takes on a whole different understanding. It's mamish nigeya to everything in our lives. So I gave the example of four steps that are necessary, but also now, in Aveda, this is exactly what we need to do. I can even tell you that uh, I've worked on this, and I continue to work on it, even in areas like relationships, or uh, in general, when you deal with people who have disagreements, mediating between, let's say, partners in business or family members, or spouses. It's a, it's a, I use this internally. I don't always say it, but I use it. I ask yourself the question, when you see two people that say they claim they love each other, is it a chesed that comes from the world of Asiya? Is it from Yitzira? Is it from Bria? Or is it from Atzila? Is it aligned with a vision? Or is it just what we call biological love? Two people like each other. In other words, you can analyze any given situation by seeing is it aligned with the way it's meant to be in its highest level. So another way of looking at it is when we speak of the five Chamisha Shemus Nikrullah, the Nisham has five names, which is also five levels. It also corresponds with this. What are they? Nefesh Ruach Nisham Chai Nefesh is El Ruach is Yisira, Nisham is Bria, Atsilis is Chaya, and Yechida is Elamis of higher than Atsilis, which I spoke about many months ago. But it also corresponds to these levels. And we also know that Nefesh, like I see it, it focuses mostly on the biological, the behavioral. Yitzira and Ruach is more Midis, and it's Bria is more Mechin, Nishama. It's actually from Tikkun from Zayar, and Atzilus is, Chaya uh, is like more, that we call it the, the transcendent, if you wish, the more the Elokush Shabazah. So it says, it says in Zayar, you know this expression, it says that Abba Mekanno Ba'atzilus, Binna Mekanno Be'kursaya Bria, Zo Midis is Mekanno Be'itzira, and Malchus is Mekanno Vasiya, Makano from the word like nesting, from the word kan, like a nest. 
So even though there are four, all the spheres are in all the worlds, but the primary function of Atsilas is connected to Chachma, which is really Bittl. The primary function of Bria is Meichen, Bina, the Mechanon of the Kursaya and Bria. The primary function of Yitzira is Midas Ruach, Zah, is Mechanon of Yitzira, and the primary function of Asiya is functional, Malchus. Malchus is Maisa Bepeil, Asiya, the behavioral. So if you think of it that way, psychologically speaking, how do we function as human beings? Do we have everything thought through from, let's call it, what the Eberster wants of you, which is Atzillus, and then it goes into Meichin, where you function on a, on a Meich Shal Tal Alev, starts with a Meich, with a plan from the mind, then it moves to Midas, then it moves to Asiya. I would submit that most of us really go the bottom up. We're much more behavioral. You're hungry, your body says, I want to eat. You, you, go, you go eat. You need a Veda to tell you what second, maybe you didn't daven yet, to make a bracha, to know what you're eating. In other words, human being on, left on our own without any discipline is going to be very behavioral, which is really the essence of how most human beings behave. We don't begin by saying, first, what's the vision for my life? And now let me figure out a plan on what, how to implement that vision and create an outline. And then from the outline, let me now break it and flesh it down into Yitzhida, Emidus, and then break, bring it down to Asiya. Halavai, if anyone did that, that would be a perfect life, a human being. So in other words, the same, the same approach we take in how we build a building or how we write a book, or we compose a song, or write a business plan, most of us do not do that with our own personal lives. You know why? Because when it comes to your personal life, you have midas adam, we have our hergeshim, we're negei and we have our own self-interest. We all have our, uh, our taivas, so to speak. Not necessarily even talking anything that's uh, forbidden. We follow adam helech achashiris libe, whatever you like. A person who's a fully disciplined person begins with Atsilas within them, and then the Bria, and then the Yitzira, and then the Asiya. Now in davening, because we have to go with Matla Maila, we start with Asiya, but we align it. We say, It's not demanding any midas there. There is purely Maisim. Acknowledging, thank you Hashem, thank you Melechai Vakaim, doesn't say the name Hashem, for returning my Neshama to me. The basics in Bichas HaShachar are all Maisev Apeel, Pekei Echivrim, Semech Neflim. The basic needs. It's Pesukah de Zimra, Chassidus explains, that moves from Asiya to Yitzira. It's more connected to Midas, where you think, focus on uh, things that bring you to Aves Hashem. Same thing with Bichas Krishma and Krishma. It's, and as you grow, you work from Yitzira to Bria, which is Mechin. And finally, to Atsilas, which is like Shemineser, Kav De Kamamot. But the point is that they all should be aligned one with the next. So essentially, the four worlds, to sum up, is really a formula, a blueprint for everything in life. Even the Havdil, as I said, building a, a, a plan, a business plan. And if you were able to apply this to anything you want to do, you know, you're all going to, Mitzvah Hashem, go somewhere in your own Avedis Ashlichas, whether it's shlichas, it's rabbonus, business, whatever it may be, whatever you do, and you ask yourself these four questions, what's the vision? What's the outline? 
the plan, the general plan, what's the details, and what's the, like, the final implementation, you'll see, you'll think about it very differently. And the same can apply to Avedis Hashem. Obviously, the kavona of all these elements is not to find out how to write a business plan. I was just using that as a marshal. Like Malchusadara came Malchusadara just to give an example how we can apply it in our lives. But the kavona, of course, is how do we connect to the Ebishter through these uh, dargas. Tehedehi barosha yitzata nefachtabi. I'll elaborate more in the next year, but I'll stop here. And um, my thing, of course, is hamaisa ikar, I see it, but it has to be aligned with Talmud. Talmud maybe the Maisa, which is Briya, uh, and through Midas, which is uh, Yudzira. Okay, everyone have a good day and a good Mechay Deshal. And we'll continue next.